It's 2002. Dust from the September 11th attacks still coats lower Manhattan. The dot-com bubble has burst and left hopeful tech leaders withered by disappointment. It seems like perhaps the worst time to start a new internet business. Scott Heiferman, of all people, should have known this. By the late 90s, he had already created and sold iTraffic, which he says was the first online advertising agency. But when the Twin Towers fell that Tuesday morning in 2001, Heiferman went up to the roof of his building in Nolita, and what happened next left him with an idea he just couldn't let go. Over the course of the next, you know, minutes and hours, more and more of my neighbors on this tall apartment building found their way to the roof to just, you know, check in with what's happening as the towers went down. And, um, you know, I found myself basically talking to my neighbors in New York City for the first time. And so you can say, well, who cares if neighbors say hello to each other in the elevator? But what I just kind of became obsessed with was, wow, what happens when, when there is actual real community? This time, he was going to use the internet to get people off the internet. Heiferman created meetup.com, now simply known as Meetup. The basics of the site have remained more or less the same. You go online to find people in your area with similar interests and organize events to meet in person. We used Meetup to organize the live event where we hosted our interview with Heiferman. We talked in front of a live audience at the UX Plus Data Meetup at Workbench in downtown Manhattan. Today, you'll get a taste of that conversation. You'll learn how Meetup measures its offline engagement, what the WeWork acquisition will mean for the 16-year-old company, and what Heiferman thinks about competition from Facebook. You're listening to Deciding by Data, the podcast that brings you into the C-suite to learn how data drives successful businesses. These are your hosts. I'm Andrew Weinrich. I'm Jeremy Levy. And I'm Lauren Feiner. A quick note before we start, this conversation contains some swearing, so you may want to hit pause if you're listening around kids. We started out by asking Heiferman about his brief but infamous break from running a business after selling eye traffic. Long story short, as you start, you know, start, start something and it took off and there was like 100 people in the company and I was, you know, and I was 20, uh, 26, 27 and I was, I was not a good manager at that point. And, and, uh, and so basically this company became part of uh, agency.com, which became part of Omnicom. But yes, I hated advertising. I wanted to, I it, I hated it so much. I like I couldn't wait to get out of this industry, and so as soon as I was out the door, I actually I fell into a weird depression or something where I just felt so di I was hanging out with too many investment bankers and lawyers and uh, and you were hanging and, out with me and you and I was like you know I need to you know I grew up I mean I, um, I grew up in Illinois I went to school in Iowa I grew up in a in my family's paint store I felt like I needed to. Um, I felt like I needed to reconnect with the real world as opposed to this, this kind of crazy 90s internet crap. And so, uh, so, I, um, so yeah, I, I literally I got a job at the McDonald's at 4th and Broadway, worked the counter. Uh, I, I, I did fill out on my application when it said, you know, like, w you know, where have you worked? I said, well, I'm currently the chairman of a public company. Um, and the guy looked at me and said, um, uh, chairman of a part of a public company, where he looked at me and said, um, uh, what's this? I'm like, it's whatever, it's a thing. And he's, and he's like, okay, what's your pant size? So, um, so, but the point is, is that for me, it was like, 
this disconnection. You know, you're in this BS advertising world, and it's all just a bunch of, you know, bits and numbers, and and you don't know. I, I felt like I needed to be close to the customer. I needed to be close. I need to have a sense of like real people and the real world. And so serving people fries and burgers was a way to kind of like reconnect with, with real customers. I mean, the fact that people were obsessed with the dollar menu, you know, and that it was really important to them to, you know, get to, to what the dollar menu represented. It's like that's if you're a person trying to make stuff for the world and you, you got to connect somehow. With Meetup, Heiferman was able to connect with customers like never before. And with an intentional design, he was also able to connect Meetup's users with each other. Let's talk a little bit about user design. And, and one of the, the themes that I want to focus on is user design for the offline and user design for the online. Because we don't really talk about user design for the offline. But l let's start with the offline. Did you have to think through what's the format of these meetups? Did you have to think through what you expected from organizers? You know, I, I, I didn't set you up with that question, but I love that question. And when we, you know, Meetup, we're, we're now, we're, you know, Meetup's 200 people at Broadway and Houston. So we, you know, we're, we're mostly design, engineering, data, product, and, uh, you know, we're trying to hire the best of the best. And I, and I say, we are designing an online and offline experience. The, 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 um, I'm sure you've all been to a meetup that was horrible. And that we, are, we are liable for that, not legally, but you know, it's, it's uh, so yeah, the, 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 the thinking of, of um, design and then thinking about the data around, around, around it being not just a digital online thing, you know, just because you are SVP, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that you know the experience is is uh, is is a good one. I mean, it's not unlike Airbnb, not unlike other things where um, you have to think about the full experience. But, but let's talk about the design of this meetup. I mean, we're, we're there are three of us sitting on stage. There was an introduction. Everyone is wearing a name tag with your logo on it. How old, old logo? That's your old logo. But how how much do you have an influence in? the introduction, the fact that this is going to take an hour, the fact that there's Q&A. I mean, how, how heavy-handed yeah. or... So, so um, you know, there, there's a, it's so important to pay attention to the shifts in, um, you know, the, the sort of the eras of where we are in terms of making great product, making great businesses, great design. My, you know, our whole thesis was if we just get people in a room together, they'll figure it out. And so... I mean, so for like for a decade plus, it is literally like, let's, you know, like any company or startup, whatever, you got to prioritize, prioritize, prioritize. So for us, it was, it was like, it was just to say, can we make magic out of nothing here and rev up this network to have, you know, well now it's 30, 40 million people. But we thought our responsibility stopped at like, just get people in the right time and place. If we can get this, the, you know, people who have that shared interest together, bring people, you know, our, like, our mission is bring people together in real life to create community, then the magic will happen and we don't, we don't have to get involved. And that, was, and that was like in contrast to people like having conferences and stuff, which was this kind of very heavyweight thing. That being said, I totally regret not taking more seriously earlier. Not, not curating more. Curate, certainly, well, certainly, like, Meetup is going to be totally different two, three, four years from now than it is today. We are, like, blowing everything up. One of, on one dimension, it's that, it's like the difference between Craigslist and Airbnb, you know, like, for, rent, for renting a place. It's like Craigslist will just be this hodgepodge of crap, and Meetup has a lot of crap, and we are, like, barreling hard towards, like, being a, certainly a curated 
quality. It doesn't mean like it's just people, you know, some people on high are deciding what's quality. It's making the right reputation systems in place, the right data. But I would think you've got the perfect data already to do that. I, I go to Aaron Price's meetup, um, and he has this thing in the beginning, which I thought was fairly clever. People stand up. And they say, anyone that wants to ask a question say, says one thing that they can do for other people before they ask for one thing back. And I would imagine that if you looked at, out at all the meetups and all of the different icebreakers, introductions, you could create this perfect user experience. Yeah, I love, that's, a beautiful, like, that's a beautiful thing. The thing is, here, let me ask you all a question here. What do you think the, the average meetup size is? Even if you take away the like, meetups with only like one or two, kind of like the, the non-meetup meetups. How Any other guesses? Interesting. Okay, so I expected you all to go much higher. The fact is, you're right. It's somewhere between six and fifteen, almost exactly. So the, the crowd, the crowd works here. But no, no, no. I mean, a lot of people who go to meetups like this, they think meetup is like these, you know, fifty, hundred, two hundred person, uh, you know, sort of tech meetups in New York City. No, no, no. The bread and butter of meetup, the average, the bread and butter meetup is your like nine-person feminist book club meetup in St. Louis, you know? Uh, and Which so in that case... across from the conservative Trump meetup directly exactly, across whatever. there. Uh, well, nowadays you have to actually think about how your platforms are being used. Uh, <laughs> where, you know, again, it actually, interesting, going, go, you know, what did I say two minutes ago? It's like, there, you know, there was this era which is just like, don't take responsibility for the quality on the platform. Just like, you know, because, because hey, this is the internet and your job is, you know, like no one's regulating what is, you know, under the HTTP. Anyway, that's a, that's a different topic. But, the, um, but I love, the, I mean, this question of, you know, the name tags and the, the cadence and the spirit of welcoming and the true question of do people feel, is, is, is the inclusion right? Do people... Like, what are people's actual experience? If this, if one of you just kind of shows up here, and you don't actually talk to anyone, is it a, you know, is it a meetup, or could you just watch this on on a live stream? Oh, you know, my point about the ten, you know, somewhere between six and fifteen people is that we have to design for meetups that are that that book club, that that ten person book club, as well as the two hundred person meetup like this. And so we we think in terms of the essentially there's four different layouts of a people map of a meetup. You know, there's the people sitting in rows and looking at, you know, people who are pretending to be smart. And then there's the, you know, the, the people in a circle. And then there's the sort of cocktail style type thing. And then there's the mass of the activity type meetups, the hikes. And, and, and by the way, all, none of that, those four are pretty equally distributed across all the 15,000 meetups that happen every day. Meetup can measure things like RSVPs on its platform, but once users leave the site to go to an actual meetup, they become harder to track. This creates a measurement problem that's pretty unique in the tech world. Online social networks, Scott, have an advantage because the interactivity is purely online and digital can be easily measured. You mentioned how you leverage data when trying to optimize for that perfect interface on a, on a, on a meetup. How do you even measure those offline behaviors? I mean, attendance yes. is one that we talked about you know, before we got up here. As a mission-driven company, and, I, and I, don't, I don't just sort of throw that around, we, you know, we have this core, core value of the company exists because we're trying to have impact on lives. 
If you showed up at this meetup and in some way this meetup has absolutely no impact on your life, you didn't learn anything, you didn't meet anyone, it just was like, and not even just like, oh, was it a bad experience, but but was it an actual like positive impact on your life? We, you know, we wanna we wanna optimize for ma maximum positive positive impact. The proxy for that is did you actually show up versus RSVPing and not, and then the prox pro you know the proxy on that is did you RSVP? We want to move further down the stack. So right now, we don't have an accurate measurement of how many people actually show up. We only know whether you RSVP'd, but we're getting, but we're pretty close to actually measuring show up, and then do it so that you can do tests, so that you can do experiments and tests and experiments and tests. Like, oh, what if you tell an organizer, you know, take the organizers in New Zealand and give them different kinds of tips and instructions and productize different things so that they can set up a meetup so that people talk to each other more. Or we can actually buzz the people's phones so that they say, hey, why don't you meet this person because you went to the same school or whatever. And um, so to be able to experiment on this level, but to optimize for what? That's the question all of you in your various jobs, I'm sure, like, you know, there's a, whether it's implicit or not, or ex explicit or not, it's, it's what are you optimizing for? And of course there's revenue and things of that sort, but we, we just wanna be a company that um, is getting to a point where we might ask you to, you know, two, three weeks, two, three months down the line, like, hey, you're a member of UX Data. Not just did it have a good experience. That's the point. Not just did, did you, have you a good... did you meet someone? Did you learn something? Has it, it impacted valuable. your life? Has it impacted your life? But I, I want to drill down. I, I want to come back to the user experience because you talked about how machine learning can inform your delivery of emails, or machine learning could could inform how you present your product. But I, I'm I'm still curious why you couldn't use machine learning to have a dialogue with a organizer to say, for your meetup, which is 10 people, yeah. this is the format. These are the types of questions you should encourage. Like, yeah. I, I'm still curious why, if the business is evolving into this place where you want people to leave, you've changed my life. I appreciate the need to collect data, but why the involvement with the organizers isn't the principal point of entry for that? It's a, it's a great question, and we actually have, you know, the arc of our company is that, that we, we start, you know, we started out not having organizers at all, to then being like, then we saw ourselves as we are empowering the organizers. And then what we realized is that when Amazon lets bad reviews of a book be on, you know, are they optimizing for the publisher or are they optimizing for the customer? You know, being, you know the customer-centric is to say, hey, we're not, in, you know, we're going to let bad reviews happen. It's a long way of saying, like, we, we said, no, we're not here to serve the organizer, even though the organizers are, all, are, you know, any great experience is because the organizer's great. Right now, we're in a moment where we're putting organizers first, and, and that's why I, that's what I meant by I said, like, we have this incredible, in, in, you know, playground of invention ahead of us, because we're realizing that, if there, again, if there's 15,000 meetups a day happening, and you know, it, and you can tell which ones are crap and which ones are great, and you can thus empower a person to bring people together, empower an organizer, empower a host to bring people together because you just know that there are best practices and there are uh, ways to do things. Again, whether it's a six-person meetup, different than a 60-person meetup, a hiking meetup is different than a career-oriented tech meetup, you know, so that's, that's what we're doing and we're, we're, we're focused on it. One more question on, on user design and then maybe we can turn to, to WeWork. Um, Jeremy told me about a word that I was not familiar with before this uh, meeting skewamorphism. As I understand it, skewamorphism refers to this in the in the design context is trying to take design and have it replicate real life experiences. So you think of the in a Windows experience, your desktop, you think of a folder and files. A and I'm wondering what the role is 
that how you're able to interpret the offline as a mechanism for how you should organize the online. And, and then, yeah. and then maybe even the the inversion of that. Whether you're offline, you're trying to mirror your offline navigational experience. I'd love to hear your perspective on user experience and it replicating the the real world. That's a, that's really interesting. Um, you know, can go down different avenues here. But I find that designers, product people, people in our industry can often get too obsessed with the mechanics of what's in our industry and not just obsess over the basic questions of making something easier. Let me put it this way. You know, in the web era, you would hire web designers and they would build web pages. And then we went into the mobile era, and so you hire people with, who are really talented people who are app makers, but their answer to problems is, what's the web, I'm sorry, what's the app view like? What's the app design like? I think, you know, to, to, to really excel in, in Perhaps your career in this work is to is to just kind of is to center on you know what is the um, and this might sound so banal and basic and obvious and perhaps even unrelated to your question but to me they're totally linked which is just to say what's the real world impact you want in our case at Meetup we are we're embarking on this crazy ass vision for you know what we want to build over the next few years essentially stripping away the question of you know. What should the app look like? And instead, it's what's the real world experience? And to approach that with a zero base, and, and, and what that means specifically, for example, with us, without revealing too much, is, is basically like this. Both Meetup and Facebook, they, you know, we're, we're, like, there's this notion of a group and an event. And you start a group, and you schedule an event. But what if you killed the start a group button, and you killed a, the schedule of an event button, and instead, let me give you an example. In New York City, there's like, you know, nearly one and a half million members of Meetup. In the past 12 months, I'm making up specific numbers, but like, let's say 20,000 people said, I want a running Meetup. I want a running Meetup. For those who know how Meetup works, then what happened? <laughs> it waits for someone in New York City. You know, basically then when someone starts a running Meetup in New York City, it uh, alerts the, all the people in New York City who are, who are waiting for running meetups that, look, Matt started a, you know, um, a, a men's Staten Island running meetup for Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. And to most of you, you're like, I don't live in Staten Island. I don't want to run at 6 a.m. I don't want a men's only running meetup. Whatever. The point is, if 20,000 people have signed up for running meetups in the past 12 months, shouldn't we be finding which ones want a women's only running meetup on weeknights at 9 p.m. and making sure, you know, near Prospect Park and making sure they find each other and perhaps not waiting for someone to press the start button or the schedule button. And this is, this is also the part, part of the answer to the machine learning question, which is uh, what is it that humans can do, like care and be creative, but to start a, a, running, a running meetup for, let's say, you know, women who want to run at 9 p.m. because running as a pack of women is safer and you, and you run faster and stronger as a pack. Why can't machines start that meetup and then people can bring the, the caring and the, and the creativity to it? Does that and mean you're putting these people out of work if, uh, if machines are making those decisions about intent, about, about how the interface should work? Well, you didn't hear me say anything about, like, what are the app screens? The point is, is um, and I think uh, I know that you, you know, you're you're intrigued by live person. Well, the live person article that you're referencing. I don't know how, how many of you are familiar with live person. Live person uh, operates, I think, the largest chat platform for support. So when you go to American Airlines, that's their platform. And the CEO recently said 
he thought that websites were would eventually be a thing of yesterday, and they would be replaced essentially by a chat box with uh, AI, and so that the system could divine your intent, and you would no longer need to do any navigation, thereby putting all of the UI and maybe even the UX people out of work. And that's this is why this is the last meetup for this group. No, no, it's not. I mean, uh, I mean, listen. There's there's the two 2016 you know bot hype, but the the beyond the, beyond the hype, I, I believe there's a truth here. The truth is is that uh, for old people like me, even in the in the industry where you think that like the you think that the UI models are set or the various models are set, and then things get blown up. I really do. I do believe that the the design of call it conversational UXs, UIs, and I don't. It isn't just like you know, voice and Alexa, and it isn't necessarily, you know, just bots and messaging. But basically, the idea here is like, if you know, if you're seamless and you see that I order at the same time many nights, why don't you please just send me the food? Why? Well, no, yeah. Why? Why aren't you messing messaging me uh, a little bit before and saying like, hey, so with you know, if you want food, you know, here's three choices or pick whatever you want. But like the you know that that notion of the like. Client server. I'm going to the web page. I mean, listen. This is 2018. We know, we know the power of notifications and how essential that is. But it. Hey, Fatso. I, this is your drinking night. Would you like pizza? <laughs> yeah. We're going to take a short break, but when we return, we'll ask Hyperman about the ways Meetup's acquisition by WeWork will transform the company. Stay tuned. This podcast is brought to you by Indicative, the leading behavioral analytics platform that allows business users to optimize acquisition, engagement, and retention. Indicative enables marketing and product teams to do sophisticated behavioral analysis across all of their customers' digital touch points without the need to rely on data scientists. To learn more, go to indicative.com or email info at indicative.com. Welcome back to Deciding by Data. We're here with Scott Heiferman, co-founder and CEO of Meetup. There are lots of changes to come to Meetup. At the end of 2017, WeWork announced it would acquire the company. WeWork is best known for its trendy co-working spaces, but it actually has a wide range of projects underway. There's a communal living environment called We Live, and even a kindergarten called We Grow. Scott, let's transition a bit and talk a little about the WeWork acquisition, which is so interesting because both Meetup and WeWork are really at the intersection of technology and the real world. WeWork has been on an acquisition tear. They've acquired Flatiron School, uh, Conductor. They've acquired companies that make construction software. I read online today they invested in a company that makes wave pools. Can you tell us what's going on? What's the thought around Meetup and WeWork? Mm. Well, it's it's so cool. I mean, it's basically we have community that needs space, and they have space that needs community. So the number one problem of my customers, we got a quarter million meetup organizers. They pay twelve bucks a month, and their you know their top problem, if one one of their top problems, if not their top problem, is is where do you where do you have your meetup? And you know, and even like it's great that uh, thanks to the the host of this space, they're they're you know, but um. It is, uh, it's a real issue, it's a real problem, it's a real blocker to, to growth and success, and again, designing for the full online, offline experience. So uh, yeah, and then WeWork is opening like a million square feet of real estate every month, 
Imagine that. You know, you know what a WeWork building is like, 50, 70,000 square feet. There's like two to four of those opening up every week, week in, week out around the world. And they're these like beautiful spaces for community. And, they, and, and the, the, you know, their line of saying like we're not a real estate company, we're a community company is uh, something I thought was bullshit. But is quite, uh, but is real. Uh, but it's 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 real, and um, it's, good, I, anyway, it's a good so, thing this isn't being recorded. Yeah. Um, so you know, th there's this dream of of what are the 21st century commons? You know, in previous centuries, you had churches and synagogues and mosques and mason halls and basically these like connect network spaces. We know what network computers are. We know what network phones are. We know what network people are. But uh, what does it mean to have network space where, where it's built to be welcoming? How are meetups going to change now that um, there's a physical space that you can now control? Um, we work that I, I learned has this notion of what they call spatial analytics. They monitor um, how many people are actually using a conference room, and they use that data then to inform design, design decisions around the space. How does the fact that you may now actually have the ability to measure what goes on inside a meetup impact how meetups are going to change in the future? It goes hand in hand with what we're trying to get at, which is to be to learn more, to learn more than uh, than ever has been learned before about how do you really how do you really bring people together to create community and opportunities. Does that mean like you can now collect data that allows you to inform what are better meetups quantitatively in terms yeah. of attendance, in terms of participation, layout, you know, four, you know, three people in front of the audience versus round table. Like, are there, are there angles here where you can really, I mean, I'm trying to bring this back to the yeah. data aspect of this group, how sure. you can leverage that? Well, yeah, and so you're referring to, WeWork has a spatial data group, which is literally, they're trying to, do things that have never been done before, which is be really, really smart about how do you design space, not just for whatever an office might typically be optimizing for, but they want to they optimize for community, in addition to the, you know, comfort and the other things that are important uh, for a place to work. But again, the idea here is like, you know, think of WeWork spaces in the future as real, real commons, real, real community space that isn't just a workspace. As for how that relates to the, like, you know, is someone tracking people's movements at a meetup that's happening at a WeWork? Right now, no, and that's not the plan. We hope to learn more and more about what it means to have, this might sound subtle, but this is huge. What does it mean to have 10 meetups on one floor at the same time. Not just do people bump into each other and say, hey, you're you know, at the French language meetup, and hey, you're with the feminist book club or whatever, and they should sort of collaborate or something, but it's really about the, the feeling in, in the room, uh, the, the frequencies, the, I'm gonna go like very woo-woo on you here. It's like you, there, there's something about, again, I'm, I'm in the physical IRL community business, and so I, you think about, you've all been in spaces that make you feel warmer, that are more welcoming, that are more inclusive, that are more something, that are more, that bring out your best self, that make you, you, you can be your friendliest self at, in this context, and then you're kind of a jerk in that other context. The idea of designing for, and, and seeing what happens when you can uh, have a, a level of aliveness and thriving of a, of a space. This isn't like some, uh, oh, isn't that cute, you know, meetup has some meetups going on and that's like a little part of life and it's like a little added bonus. This is actually the, this is heart and soul stuff. When you, if people literally feel less alone, if you, feel, if you find yourself that you want to learn something or do something or you want to be involved in something or you want to, you want to like 
change your career or you want to, or you're diagnosed with something or whatever it is, to, to be able to meet up within miles, within days, within hours, within blocks and, and be able to find people who, who will in, an in a welcoming, open feeling where the, like the spirit of this room, I bet right, the spirit of this room is how many of you, like there's something in you that says like you'd love to be able to, to help out or mentor or be of use to, to other people in this room right now? I mean, I appreciate maybe some of you raised your hand. And you're like, what? You know, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> but, uh, but it really matters. It's a question. This is a question of. At this point, Heiferman looks like he's called to action and stands up in front of the crowd. We are at a, a, a fork in the road of society. Either you know, as as there's, uh, I'm sorry, as there is a, f a literal fork in the road of society. Either, either with the disparity and the dysfunction and the division and the coarseness and the and and the and the and the uh, you know inequalities and the anger and the all the tough the tough stuff in the world it seems to be only getting worse right like so as it gets harder to, you know and more of a struggle and 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 you know and I'm talking about me too and I'm talking about black lives matter and I'm talking about guns and I'm talking about you know I'm talking about climate change and I'm talking about all the stuff that's that, that, that that's going Where's the world headed? It, it's as oversimplistic, but either we head towards, you know what, this is too heavy. I'm just going to, I'm going to divert, I'm going to, I want diversions. I'm just going to retreat to Netflix. Or out of the desperation, you say, God, I really need other people. I mean, you know, or, or yeah, I just, I'm desperate. Like, I, like, I want to advance my career. Okay, I can watch some YouTube videos and do this or that, but like, but I, or people are going to help each other. Either they're going to turn on each other or turn to each other. Either, you know, either we're just going to like, basically just break down as a society, or, or there's gonna be a kind of coming together. Not because people are philanthropic, or they're, they're, you know, they're like some, like, feeling like they need to do good or something, but just out of like, selfish, like, you know, how are we gonna, how do we operate? Uh, so anyway, um, data, UX. No, but, <laughs> but, but. <laughs> Scott Heifern in 2020. <laughs> One of the things I genuinely love about you, and I, and I love about startups, is this meetup is about data. And one of the questions that we might have asked is, was WeWork's acquisition of Meetup to reduce churn? Did they think about this from a numeric perspective about how they could optimize revenue? But you talk so aspirationally, and it, it's a, one of the things that's a pleasure in startups is those moments when you don't have to think about data, is those moments when you do think aspirationally, you think in terms of change the world, and it's almost at odds with this idea of do I measure data? So from WeWork's perspective, do I measure data or do I hire this crazy guy, Scott Heiferman, to take us in directions we never imagined? And, and it's amazing that after the acquisition, you were as future-focused and aspirational as you were when you started. Well, that's the only reason why I did the, the deal, because, uh, I mean, the deal would be a failure if I'm not, I mean, the deal, will, to me, will be a failure if I'm not still leading Meetup five, ten years from now and, like, trying to bring our vision to life. The reason why I did the deal was because, you know, we were doing great, you know, we've been profitable and, and like, you know, we didn't need to do any deal. But Trump happens and other things happen and you, you find yourself not getting any younger and you're like, I want to have impact on the world. And, um, you know, I want to I wanna do my part to, to, like, make the world not fall apart. And so here comes, like, this rocket ship of WeWork and, you know, as, like, Sheryl Sandberg says, like, sometimes you just get on the rocket ship. Speaking of Sheryl Sandberg, we wanted to dig into Heiferman's thoughts on Facebook. 
Facebook has positioned itself as a major competitor to Meetup, especially with its renewed focus on building communities. Mark Zuckerberg recently said that online communities... Okay, who, who is this? <laughs> Have you heard this guy? Uh, Facebook's new mission is to give people the power to build community and bring the world closer together. It sounds a lot like, like your mission. Yes. <laughs> Care to elaborate? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, what's the question? What do you think of well, Facebook? That's a shot across your bow, right? I mean, that, that's, they're coming right after you. They're, they're, uh, hopefully they'll create uh, lots of real community, and so will we. And, um, you know, they also, they also got an ad business to, to support. They've also got a pretty big investment in VR to have happen. You know, I think that, um, and, and, they might, and they might help, you know, kind of raise the awareness in the world of the importance of, of, of offline community too, but I don't know. They've got a lot on their hands and we are focused uh, and get to invent like hell, the kind of our, our lean, lean team. At this point, we moved on to the Q&A with the audience. The first person to grab the mic was Aaron Price. He runs the New Jersey Tech Meetup. You touched on some things in a lot of that that really drove this question, which is, you know, meetups are often built around commonalities and groups. You even used in your example, I don't want to go running with people who are, you know, men in Staten Island on Sunday at 6. I want to go with just maybe, you know, just women around here uh, who are more like me. But that paired with the social issue around the era of Trump that we live in now, how do you balance avoiding uh, an issue where you're just like feeding the machine of I just want to find sameness and I don't and I just want to you know con continue the narrative of the same white men who think like me who want to run in Staten Island every Sunday versus like adding a, a broader like opening up people's minds to the vision that I know that you have for the impact Meetup can make. The number one um, cause for Meetup success, the thing that that defines how Meetup has grown is uh, something we call cell dividing and spawning. This phenomenon of someone starts one New Jersey tech meetup, and then out of that, people realize it sort of cell divides and spawns into pr probably, since you started it, probably hundreds of different New Jersey tech meetups. Uh, there's you know the, the the women's New Jersey tech meetup, and then there's the women's you know coders New Jersey meetup, and then there's the like newbie women's New Jersey tech meetup, and then there's the like northern Jersey newbie women's you know, and and this is a, a natural and organic process. You know the question is how do you how can you accelerate that process by using data to basically reveal not wait for someone to start if if the, if, if we know that. 40 women are going to a certain meetup in New Jersey and they're driving 30 miles to it. Why don't we actually sort of serve it up that, that those women can meet up on their own? Hi, Scott. My name's Mike. I appreciated your uh, grand vision for humanity. I thought that was great, so thanks for that. Um, I wanted to get your take on VR and AR. I know you mentioned it like really briefly, but how does that affect Meetup and like going forward? Because it's kind of a digital space, but also... It feels, um, it's, an off, it's an online space, but it kind of feels offline, so what is your take on that? Uh, I, we'll let Facebook do that. Uh, and I don't mean to be dismissive, but you know, I, we, we feel, I mean, sure, certainly there's, like, however AR will evolve, I think will be really interesting and potentially relevant to Meetup, but you know, I, think, I think it's important in all of our work to just know who you are in your respective organizations and companies, and uh, know what to say no to, and know that there's an incredible opportunity to, to, to invent on the vector that you 
want to be great at. And so for us, as long as, uh, as, long as people are, are living on Earth and in real space, uh, we want to get really, really good. Thanks for listening to Deciding by Data. I'm Andrew Weinrich. My co-host is Jeremy Levy. This podcast was produced and edited by Lauren Feiner. Our music is by Chris Zabriskie. New episodes are released every two weeks. Tune in next time when we speak with Catherine Minshew, co-founder and CEO of The Muse. The Muse is a careers platform that takes a holistic approach to the job search. We'll explore how data can help you find your dream job. We also want to give a special shout out to the people who helped us put on this live event. Thank you so much to the UX Plus Data Meetup, Workbench, Kim Moy, Bill Prickett, Matthew Weber, and Aaron Price. Check out our website to see the full video interview with Scott Heiferman. This is Deciding by Data. This podcast is brought to you by Indicative, the leading behavioral analytics platform that allows business users to optimize acquisition, engagement, and retention. Indicative enables marketing and product teams to do sophisticated behavioral analysis across all of their customers' digital touchpoints. For more episodes of Deciding by Data, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite app, or visit decidingbydata.com to subscribe to our newsletter. If you like what you hear, don't forget to leave a review or follow us on Twitter at Deciding by Data.